You're listening to the Built Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports, the place to go for the top spring sports events in the region. Midco Sports and Midco Sports Plus are the home of the Howard Wood Dakota Relays, the NSIC Baseball Championships, and the Summit League Softball Championships, plus the original shows and extras that you love. It's all coming this spring to Midco Sports. This is how we do sports, and this is the Built Shaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Build Shaves Podcast, episode 111 in the four-year run of this program. I'm Alex Heinrich, joined by UND Athletics Director Bill Shaves, as always, and special guest, Associate Athletic Director Kyle Vilforowski. We're taping this on a Tuesday morning, 10.30, the 26th of April. Fellas, how does this Tuesday greet you and a beautiful spring morning? Yeah, it's a spring, uh, so to speak, Alex. Uh, that's what we believe here in Grand Forks at this stage of the game. That's what the calendar says. But uh, as we did our last pod, we uh, were uh, formulating our guest list on the on, on the air, so to speak. And so uh, sure enough, uh, uh, we knew we needed to have Kyle on. He can do a couple things for us here. So uh, we're going to put him right to work, right, Alex? That's, that's that's right. This is no like guest appearance, soft, cushy. We're just hanging out. No, Kyle's got Kyle's got duties here today. But it's so great to have Kyle with us as he enters the final month of this incredible tenure with the University of North Dakota. Uh, Kyle, first off, congrats on your new position with the High School Activities Association of Kansas. Congratulations on a great run with UND. Yeah, thanks, Alex, and appreciate Bill and you letting me have uh, the opportunity here one last time to come on Bill's pod and reminisce a little bit and look forward as well. So uh, yeah, I really appreciate the congratulations and we're excited. Uh, it'll put us about 45 minutes away from my parents uh, and back back in Kansas in my hometown and then halfway closer to New Mexico where Elizabeth's family is. And Grand Forks was a pretty random spot on the map for us about 10 years ago, but that random spot in the map has really turned into home uh, and Preston is now 10 uh, and has really uh, done an excellent job and, and everybody with him and Grand Forks Youth Hockey and Baseball and Kelly School and all the different people. We've, uh, we've uh, become a great part of the community and we'll certainly miss it, but uh, looking forward to what's ahead. Yeah, you mentioned the randomness of coming to Grand Forks, North Dakota. How did you end up here 10 years ago? Give us the origin story of you and UND, Kyle. Back in March of 12, Preston, our son, who we talked about, our first child, was born with bacterial meningitis. And before we get to the rest of the story, uh, so lucky and blessed and praise the Lord every night that he has made, I don't say this lightly, a miraculous recovery uh, from that. But when doctors tell you right after he's born, uh, after a picture-perfect pregnancy, by the way, that he might be blind and deaf and have brain damage or any combination of, et cetera, it turned your world upside down. And so we had to start planning for uh, a different lifestyle than we were living at the time. Uh, at that time, my wife, Elizabeth, who's just been a complete all-star in this whole move and transition, uh, had her dream job. She was working uh, as a professor in the program that she graduated from at her alma mater, Hotel Restaurant Tourism Management at New Mexico State University, and could have had that job for another 30, 35, 40 years, and probably would have if, if we were staying there. Uh, and at that time, Alex, is, as you well know, working in college athletics, uh, I was uh, doing what I loved. I was a TV and radio talent producer, a little bit of a mix of you and Paul Ralston and Mike Derman in the truck uh, a little bit was my role there. And uh, we, I was gone every other weekend from the end of August until whenever baseball and softball were done and we were successful in those sports, which usually was June. 
uh, and gone every other weekend for uh, five, you know, five days, usually Wednesday through Sunday, because at that time the WAC was all spread out, still is. So it's not like you could bus places. Um, and so uh, we immediately started to look at other opportunities that uh, would, would provide uh, time for one of us to spend more time with Preston and, and raise him and take him to his appointments and everything that he would need to do. And uh, this opportunity came up and had a strong relationship with Ash and Dory Hardy, the volleyball coach here at the time, and knew Brian Faison a, a little bit, but not very well, um, and applied for this position and was very fortunate enough to be the successful candidate. And uh, here we are 10 years later. When, when that happened, what was sort of the conversation between you and, and your wife about making that move from being in New Mexico? Now we're going to move to the opposite side of the country. We don't know anybody up here. That's a huge leap of faith to move well, like, like you did with all the things going on in your life? Yeah, I, I, that's an awesome question. I'm so glad you asked because Grand Forks, North Dakota to Elizabeth who had never lived outside of the state of New Mexico her entire life might as well have been the moon. And uh, as you said, she didn't know a soul in this community. I really didn't either other than outside of Ash and Dory. And by the time Elizabeth and I really got serious, Ash had taken this job here. And so she didn't know them uh, and, and didn't know Brian uh, at all. And we, Brian and I only had one year of crossover at New Mexico State and didn't really, we worked in different departments and didn't have a lot of crossover. Uh, but yeah, it was really hard knowing that we, we were actually moving away from our support system, which seems kind of crazy in that situation. But the, this situation that presented itself would allow her, and she still taught online at NMSU for a couple of years, but would allow her to be with Preston 100% of the time, uh, you know, and just do everything for him. And that, yeah, it was really difficult. And it's, it wasn't just like moving down the street. It was, as you say, moving from one border to the other border yeah. mm-hmm. of the country. And it was, it was a big move. And um, I don't think she was the most excited about it now, but I think it's a testament to UND and the Grand Forks community and the really relationship she's been able to forge that uh, it's sad for her to leave now. Yeah, after 10 years, Kyle, you know, it, it, it does. It becomes a home, right? I mean, and uh, think about it for Preston. That, that's all he's known at this stage of the game. And so give us a little bit of an update on uh, how Preston's doing right now and how his 10 years has been in the Forks. Yeah, he's doing great. R- really blessed, as I talked about earlier. Um, you know, as teachers and, and people at school, they can't even really tell when, when, you know, you tell them, especially early on, preschool and kindergarten and first grade, you know, hey, th- th- these were some of the things that happened. And um, you know, so he's doing great. And, uh, you know, he, he was UND's number one fan, uh, watched every move that, uh, Brad Berry made there on the bench. Uh, and, uh, just, uh, he, he's doing great. And, and Kate's our kindergartner now. So they will be in fifth grade and first grade when we get down to Topeka, but yeah, he's doing great. And he's got a, a junior champions t-shirt for uh, every year that he's been alive. So, uh, <laughs> we're going to have to figure out uh, the, the hand-me-downs and the pass-throughs and all those different things, not only with, uh, all the UND Kelly Green stuff I've accumulated over the years, but the kids as well. So I get to hijack this a little bit at this point. So, so, so two, two quickies. One, uh, what's your job uh, moving forward? So just give us a little bit of a thumbnail sketch there. And then number two, your, I, I don't, your most memorable highlight in the 10 years. Yeah, my new role in Topeka. Uh, so the structure there is the Kansas State High School Activities Association. It's the group that oversees uh, and, and works with high school sports in the state. Every state has them. Some states have two, one for public and one for private. It's just one in Kansas. Uh, and there's the executive director, Mr. Bill Faflick, 
Uh, and then there's six other assistant executive directors that report to him. I'll be one of those. And all six have our different activities or sports. One person has the non-athletics, the speech, debates, dramas, et cetera. And then the other five of us have sports. My sports are cross country in the fall, basketball in the winter and track and field in the spring, which that was, uh, it, it's a perfect fit for me professionally with those, with those three sports. It was unbelievable the way that that process unfolded and the timing of it all. So, uh, Ironically, I, I, I suppose uh, the cross country championships in Kansas, there's two sites. One of them is, is at Rimrock Farm at KU, famous cross country course, host of the NCAA uh, championships, junior college championships. And the other one uh, is in my hometown and it has been in my hometown uh, for a long time. So uh, that'll be fun to kind of get back to that and uh, don't have a, a set schedule yet of who's going to be where, but I imagine I'll, I'll be at that meet at some point along the way. And then basketball, um, pretty self-explanatory. So uh, we are in charge of all the state tournaments and then all the qualifying tournaments, regionals, districts in Kansas, we call them sub-states. So the, in basketball, the winner of each sub-state tournament then goes on to the state tournament. Uh, and uh, so we'll be working with the host sites for those and then track and field as well. And that's one of the things that's sneaky uh, a little bit about Kansas. And I'm uh, Alex, you may know this as a track and field aficionado. Uh, somebody could probably fact check this for us. Um, I tried to Google it, uh, but the uh, the state track meet in Kansas, it's only two days. They do it at Cessna Stadium in Wichita, uh, at Wichita State, and it's this huge stadium where they used to play football. And I think that it's the largest high, it's the largest high school track and field meet in the country, or that's, um, that's what people say. And that's because there's 3,500 competitors, almost 30,000 people come to watch it. It's all six classes, boys, girls, in two days. And maybe the qualifier is it's the largest two-day meet. I don't know. Uh, I Googled it outside of Arcadia in California, which is an elite uh, high school track and field meet. Um, this might be next, but I don't know that 100%. So I'm looking forward to working working in that event. That's awesome. It's always the end of the year and probably the same for every state. That's the last kind of hurrah. And then everybody goes off into their summer vacations and their summer activities. No, that's awesome. That's an exciting portfolio of events to get to be a part of. And obviously knowing your background, knowing everything, especially how much you love those sports in particular, it's got to be a dream come true, really, to get to go back home and get to do this for your home state. That's going to be really special, Kyle. Yeah, it will be. And so to answer Bill's second question, most memorable moment, um, you know, it's been a few, I think, competitively, that 12-month span from April of 16 to March of 17 a hockey national championship, a big sky championship and volleyball, football, men's basketball, and women's basketball. It's the only time in the history of the big sky that the same school has won those four championships in one year. And so that was just an incredible year competitively. Um, you know, some other things, you know, administratively behind the scenes. Um, I think uh, one of the things I'll always take with me uh, that I was able to be a part of here is uh, along with Midcoast coverage, uh, we were able to expand our exposure quite a bit. And we had our third tier television uh, package that, that we created with Fox Sports North, now Valley Sports North, uh, and got the basketballs and volleyballs down in Minneapolis. This was back in 2014. This was a long time ago. Now it's eight years ago. Um, but on the same channel as the Wild and the Wolves and supplement what Midcoast Sports Network at the time was doing, now just Midcoast Sports. Um, so that that was one thing that, that I'll always hold with me as well. And um, some of the things as well, like for the volleyball game days, when I got here incorporating the spirit squad and the bands and the PA and the ACE t-shirts and the junior champions captain of the game, um, I really felt like 
I made an impact there in my first few years, especially trying to get that volleyball game day up to where it needed to be, taking things from uh, my undergrad experience in Nebraska, who has a good volleyball program, and then New Mexico State, where I came from, is also very good at volleyball and, and able to bring some of those things here. So, um, you know, th those are some of the, I mean, we could go on just and dominate the pod with all the different awesome entities, but those are some of the ones that, that jump out. Well, that's right. I mean, there's been a lot that's happened. I mean, it's been a, a decade of excellence with this university and the athletic department. And it's exciting that you've been such a big part of that. And I know we, we had talked pre-pod, just how do you want to condense? How can you condense 10 years, you know, into a handful of minutes on a podcast? And it's impossible, but it's, it's great to hear some of your stories, how you got here, what you've experienced. I guess maybe the last question before we talk track and field, I know you're going to miss a lot, a lot of the people, a lot of the experiences. What will you miss most about this place, Kyle, as you transition out next month? Yeah, uh, duties, duties and people and responsibilities. I mean, I was very fortunate here to be a part of a, a, a lot of things. So my, my core competencies are in external, are communications, marketing, video production, broadcast, uh, head football scheduling. Uh, I, I like calendars. I like schedules. I like planning. Uh, it takes a certain individual maybe to, to like those things, but I'll, I'll miss that and uh, feel like I'm leaving uh, those aspects, hopefully in a place that was uh, better than uh, where I came in and um, the licensing side of things as well. That's obviously been uh, a, a good opportunity and challenge with uh, the nickname and logo and, and color and all those different things. I feel like we've they feel like we've made some progress there. And I think the loyalty numbers would back that up as well. But, you know, I, I think that, the, you know, you talk about the, what I'll miss most, um, you know, probably a couple things, just being, being a part of the broadcast and communication side of things. And then um, I, I've been fortunate enough to be the sports supervisor for a number of our programs. And that's probably the part I'll miss the most is uh, working with the coaches and, uh, you know, really trying to help them be successful. And, you know, Bill, the athletic director and Brian before him had, you know, the, the sports report to them that uh, had, you know, probably the most exposure, the most, you know, pressure, so to speak. Um, but I, I really liked uh, working with a number of our coaches who maybe were outside the limelight, so to speak, as, as some of the major ones that get a lot of publicity. Um, and I'll definitely miss working with Coach Camp. He just got here, but he and I have uh, just an awesome relationship. And that was, uh, that was one of the more difficult conversations to, to have, to let him know, obviously, before it became public or anything that uh, we were going to take this opportunity. So, you know, it's incredibly difficult to leave, but we're also tremendously excited for the future as well. I'll leave it here is, uh, you know, just uh, Kyle and I had multiple conversations. I said, you know, never, uh, I hate to say never, but I'm never going to see this again, where the, all of our track and field coaches departed for various positions at one point. And for Kyle to take on cross country was just an amazing thing. And talk about, um, you know, other duties as assigned. And, uh, you know, that, that probably was absolutely, um, if you look it up in the dictionary or the administrator's handbook, that was it in a nutshell. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a really unique 82 days. And not only just from a, from a coaching standpoint, but also, uh, we had some transition and communications as well. So that was, I felt like I was able to use some of the tools in my toolbox that uh, hadn't been used for a while um, and kind of dust them off and, and try to help the department get through. And yeah, you know, those 82 days, you know, we, we talk a lot and, and Bill does a good job of leading the department in this from a senior staff standpoint. Um, hard to be everywhere for sure, uh, but we're here because of the student athletes and, you know, through COVID, 
we've tried to really put in, an emphasis on, on building relationships with the student athletes. And I certainly did that in those 82 days and we'll certainly miss that. And hats off to the team leaders, Alyssa Peterson and Mackenzie Burian and Jaden Keeler on the women's side. And then on the men's side, it was Matt Russell and Luke Labatt and Justin Jalaka, et cetera, because uh, that situation could have, could have unraveled in a way that wasn't great, but uh, we got together, um, you know, in a couple of those things. I mean, the women beat SDSU down in Brookings uh, in the second meet of the season who ended up winning the conference championship. And to have the meet that we had at Texas A&M, uh, the meet right before conference was, was just awesome. Um, you know, we peaked perhaps a, a couple of weeks too early, but we had some injuries and illness and some interesting things happened towards the end uh, that were totally out of our control, which could be a whole nother pod in and of itself, but um, didn't have the ending that we wanted, but, you know, to do all those things and go five and five against NDSU this year, that uh, as a program, you know, with that particular program, they just have more resources and bells and whistles than we do, but we were able to be successful, uh, you know, going five and five against them this year in cross country was, was good. So that I'll, I'll always miss, uh, you know, that team, that, that team, uh, it was, it was kind of our team and, and I was able to be a little closer to them for those 82 days. And those relationships will be the ones that will carry forward along with all the rest professionally. Yeah. Pretty special stuff. I mean, that's again, just a, just another example of what Kyle brought to this athletics department for the last 10 years, just the ability to wear different hats and take on different roles, sort of at, a, at the drop of a hat. And, and do them exceptionally well and build relationships and continue the mission of this university to help student athletes achieve their goals. And that's, I don't know, again, just hats off to you, Kyle, on just a tremendous run here. The, the best decision that we made, though, was hiring Alex Heinert to be <laughs> our play-by-play announcer. And Alex has done an awesome job and uh, has already kind of moved on to bigger and better things, trying to hold on to him as much as we possibly can here at UND and Midcoast Sports. Uh, but Alex, you've also done a tremendous job, not only just on the air, but, you know, creating content uh, just like this, like we're doing right now, uh, but also, you know, your, your team that you've got behind you with Marty and uh, Jeremy and Mike, uh, and the list just goes on of those people here in Grand Forks. And it's been such a, such a fun experience to work with them because that's, you know, that doesn't happen everywhere to have, you know, such a strong second tier TV rights holder that we've had for the last 10 years. And, uh, it's just been, uh, it's just been great to work with you and, uh, everybody else there. Yeah. Well, that feeling is, is certainly mutual. Don't you make this about me. We're going to, we're going to move on. We're going to move on to something else. Oh, so we also wanted to chat Kyle, as we just discussed, loves track and field, loves cross, you know, has been a, a cross country coach now for this program, et cetera. You've kind of been the main point of contact for track, certainly in recent years, this year as well, traveling with the team a little bit. I know they just came off a really successful weekend in Vermilion, a three-day meet with the South Dakota Challenge. They're getting ready for the Drake Relays. Summer League Championships are just around the corner. Give us a little update on what's happening with track and field for North Dakota. Yeah, the best thing probably is our women's multi-group. Uh, we're the second-ranked yeah. heptathlon group in the country right now. Um, we've got four really, really good ones led by Elisa Olseth, who's ninth in the country right now. So that's one of the events that they don't have the first round of the NCA for. So as long as you're in the top 24 in the country, you'll automatic at the end of the regular season, which is after the conference meets, you'll go on to the national championships. And she was so close uh, indoors making it. They only take 16 indoors they take 24 outdoors you add a couple other events it just it's slightly different uh but unless something crazy happens she's ninth right now she'll probably qualify 
nationally. Uh, and I know your question was about the Summit League Championship, but but you you start with our program, and that's where you start right now, specifically on the women's side. Uh, Erica Benson has just been awesome throughout her career; just kept getting better and better and better. Uh, you got Brooklyn Gold right now, uh, who's sitting in third place behind her two teammates in the Summit League in that event. Uh, and Holly Gerberding at South Dakota will have a have a little say about that, getting on the podium, uh, good battle for the podium there as well. And then Ali Thorson as well, uh, kind of a, a, another regional kid who's just done an awesome job for us. So that group has really led us as well. Um, so uh, if you you know just go by the book right now, the women will score 28 points in that event. Uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen, obviously, especially in, in that one, because there's seven different events and there's hurdles involved and you just, yeah. you just don't know, uh, you know, how that will all play <laughs> out. So, um, you know, that's uh, on the women's side, th- those, those people will, will lead us as well. We also have a good throws group as well. And, and three of those uh, went to USA Indoor Nationals. Uh, and, and great, as you mentioned, I mean, geez, Natalie Mooring and Kenna Curry both broke the facility record last weekend down in, uh, down in Vermilion. So that was awesome. Um, you know, kind of competing unattached. Uh, so, so that group is, is strong for us as well. And then on the men's side, you know, it's a little bit of a rough go this year, uh, have less scholarships than the others in the Dakotas. So kind of going into a little bit, um, you know, behind the eight ball, so to speak. And then uh, our school record holder, Chris Evenson, who went 58, 10 in the shot last year, had to have season ending, uh, or career ending surgery in the off season. So he was going to go over 60 this year. There was no doubt about that. Uh, and going to be a factor in the conference and um, had a couple other guys uh, on, on scholarship that had just stepped away from the program. So uh, we got to get more from our distance group in that, in that aspect. And right now, Luke Labatt's the number one uh, time in, in the conference right now in the steeple. Um, the only one under nine, um, not everybody in the conference has done that yet. And as you well know, Alex, and especially in distance, you got to pick your spots and you don't run the same race over and over again. You just, you know, it's once or twice and, you get to conference and then people are running stuff they haven't run all year to try to score points and try to win. Um, from a team perspective, uh, you know, I think the South Dakota women uh, are in strong position. Uh, I, I think Coach Huber down there was uh, obviously excited to win uh, for the first time in the Summit League uh, for him down there. So I think that the South Dakota women will probably be the favorites. And uh, I think the men's side will be a little bit tighter as well. This time of year, you just, you were, we're getting there. You know, you can see like some of those athletes start to emerge who are going to be contenders and not that you didn't see it in indoor season or people coming back from last year but when the weather starts getting nicer you've had enough meets now where the picture gets a little bit clear and it's it is fun to see again some of our athletes start to rise to the top and there's work to be done it's you know it's the first year of a new coach and a transition and all those things but certainly there's enough bright spots i think to know that the future is going to be bright for this north dakota track and field and cross-country program yeah, and that's it's just kind of a blanket statement. I mean, bright futures, all that stuff. But I really do believe that uh, the coaching staff that we have, uh, we're really lucky to have them. I think they're committed to being here. Um, you know, they're they're from the region and they take pride in being from here. And you know, you look at all four of them. I mean, their credentials not only coaches but student athletes as well. Uh, really impressive. And so I think that Coach Camp and Coach Scott's in the cross country side, you know, uh, give them a, a couple years and uh, you're going to see some vast improvements quickly moving up the ladder in the Summit League, both in track and field and in cross country. And uh, that's, you know, the thing that I'll probably miss the most is just being able to be a part of that on a daily basis and watch that because I know where it's going. We know where it's going. It's just going to take a little bit of time. 
Yeah, I mean, we have to help uh, the program for sure. I think we've got visions of uh, adding on to the Pollard Center and uh, and uh, getting a new outdoor track that will help the program for sure. And so those are the things that certainly we can help from an administrative standpoint. I'll, I'll leave with this one is, uh, it, you know, when you're at like a University of North Dakota and maybe you know, you're not at the uh, power five level of let's just call it, you know, whatever Florida state or, or Nebraska, but at the end of the day, you're able to do multiple things. And, and, and Kyle, we, we gave him the reins of the indoor uh, uh, track and field that we hosted and did a phenomenal job uh, really kind of hosting that right uh, from a, uh, um, from a web stream standpoint. So I appreciated that and uh, gave you a probably pretty good indication of what's going on in, in the outdoor season, right? Yeah, no doubt. That was, uh, that was really fun. I'd always wanted to do something like that for track and field and never had the opportunity to do it uh, at that level, uh, you know, in terms of a just constant nonstop stream. So yeah, and credit to Bill and others for, for making that happen. We, we received great feedback on that. We had multiple cameras and multiple feeds as well. If you just wanted to watch the high jump, et cetera, long jump, et cetera, or you could watch the produced feed, which uh, was the one that I was a part of. So uh, that was awesome and a great step forward. I know the coaches and the student athletes and the parents, the fans, the conference office, et cetera, all appreciated that. So that was, uh, that was a ton of fun and looking forward to getting down into Tulsa uh, here in a few weeks and seeing the, uh, seeing my final uh, summit league track and field championship. I know just around the corner. I know that, that indoor championships seen around the world, world famous Kyle Doporowski with people <laughs> tuning in from all across our globe. Yeah. Summit league track and field championships made the 12th through the 14th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Just a couple of meets really between now and then, really. It's it's amazing that we're at that point in the season. So excited to see what our crew can do when they get that. Al- Alex, it's like the pod, right? I mean, it's world famous <laughs> around the world. <laughs> around the world. Around the world fame. The Bill Shaves podcast yep. and Kyle Doporowski calling track and field. Amen. We can't take ourselves too seriously on this pod. We, we no. What we talk about is serious, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. <laughs> oh. Kyle, any, any other thoughts, parting shots for you? You can certainly stick around. We're going to chat spring sports, of course, in the rest of this podcast and probably some, some B-side shenanigans. But anything else that kind of stand out that you'd like to touch on with, with uh, your career, with your life moving forward, how we can keep in touch, all those good things? I have a sign. I actually, yeah, it's, it's in my office right now, and I'll probably leave it behind. Um, you know, I share this with our staff, and, and it's so true is – uh, first you become a part of it and then it becomes a part of you and kind of going back, wrapping it around all the way to where we started. This is a total random spot on the map for us. And, uh, you know, even I was surprised a little bit on how difficult it, it really is to step away, um, after you put so much into it. And, um, so I'll be following, um, there's a lot of different ways to follow and I'll be following it and, and wish Bill and the rest of the department and our coaches and student athletes, you know, obviously nothing but the best and, uh, we'll always be following it for the rest of my life. Well, we appreciate everything you've done, Kyle, and we've still got a few more weeks. Uh, he's still got some things to do, Alex. I'm just telling you, uh, you know, as we were pre-pod, we were just talking about some of the things that we were kind of, he's teeing up for us and able to, uh, you know, baton over, which is incredibly helpful. That's really atypical in intercollegiate athletics on how this usually you're gone like the, the next day. And uh, for however this one played itself out, it's great for, for both of us. Both uh, Kyle is able to uh, really step away from some things that he doesn't need to be a part of for next year, but really focus in on a few projects for us. So we're excited about him doing that for us. Kyle, we appreciate you. 
Thanks again for your time, for jumping on the pod and for producing this podcast. Again, talk about the different hats that Kyle's had to wear. Kyle has jumped in and produced this podcast for the second half of this athletic year. Just incredible. Just give him something to do and he just crushes it. I don't know. I don't know where you have the time. That's the big thing. Yeah. The, well, the secret is, is to send it to Cassie Niles and then she works with Alec Johnson. So our, ah. our staff, uh, our staff deserves a heck of a lot of credit and uh, a lot of names that we don't need to get into, but yeah, that's just part of the people. I mean, we've, uh, been really fortunate here. I've been really fortunate to work with a lot of great people, including uh, both of you guys. So, all right. Uh, you, you guys can get on with the rest of the business here. I'll step away, but uh, really appreciate uh, the opportunity to come on and chat for a few minutes here. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah. Thank you. Job well done. Kyle Doporowski. How are you going to replace that guy, Bill Chase? Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm a big believer in um, opportunities for others uh, and sometimes, you know, it, when you've got a really good second baseman, my guess is you still have others that can play second base too. They just maybe haven't had the opportunity. And so uh, we're working through it. You know, there's some things that, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out as we kind of go forward uh, this upcoming year. N- normally what happens, Alex, in the world of uh, college athletics, I think because we're on the academic year, if you will, if something were to occur, it would always happen around July 1. So there's been some things that we've been uh, having conversations about, but then with Kyle departing, it just maybe pivoted or altered a few uh, thoughts that I had at some stage. So how about this? A nice tease. Stay tuned. Stay tuned uh, on the pod. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, um, I have a thought. Good. Well, big, big shoes to fill. And I think maybe replace isn't the right word. We've heard. Uh, so in recent months on the broadcasting side, we've seen some big names move to different opportunities. You think about Joe Buck and Troy Aikman moving over to do Monday Night Football. That's kind of the biggest one. And Joe Davis has been tasked to fill in to do the World Series for Fox, for Joe Buck, who's done this for however many years. And Joe had a great interview a couple of weeks ago on the Sports Media Podcast with Richard Deitch that I know you listen to as well as I do. And he said, replace isn't the right word. You know, you're following Joe Buck, but you're not replacing him. Like nobody can replace someone that's been in that position for that long. And I think Kyle is sort of in the same boat. Nobody's going to replace the exact unique skill set that Kyle brought to the table and all the different things that he was able to do. But someone's going to, probably a couple people are going to follow in some of those different roles and you spread responsibility around and, and the university will keep moving forward. I, I think that's the, the cool thing is that other people are going to be really excited to step in and do some of the things that Kyle was doing and try and continue the great work that he's been a part of for the last 10 years. Yeah. And then you get some folks maybe putting their own uh, secret sauce on some things or maybe taking what has been and then saying, Hey, if we went down this path a little bit, maybe it would make it a little bit more unique or whatever it might be at that point. But yeah, I, I think so. I, you know, and if if a Kyle per se, because we're ta- obviously talking about him, if he were to leave five straight years in a row, maybe you would do things differently five different times. You could. And I think as, you know, sitting in the chair that I am, I'm always kind of trying to think ahead. What happens if we have a departure here? What happens if this happens here? But um in a state agency like the University of North Dakota, sometimes shifting responsibilities or or providing uh, new pathways for folks can be a little bit more challenging than I'll say in a private business. And so when someone departs, it do- definitely gives you some opportunity to maybe shift some things around. And I think we're, we're thinking about that right now. 
Yeah, good to know. Well, as Bill said, we'll stay tuned on that front with the the makeup of the athletics department with one associate AD moving on, perhaps other people filling into that spot or taking up some of those duties. We'll let you know when those things come to pass. Probably yeah, next year I mean, you, you, you know, in, in, in sort of maybe, uh, you know, an analogy situation, especially in like volleyball, like you might lose your setter, but you're still going to have someone set. Yeah. I mean, there's still going to be a setter. And now you can say, am I really a setter at that point in time? Well, someone is going to set the ball and you're going to put it over the net. So, so we're going to figure it out. And, you know, I just always look at it as uh, it's awesome when someone has had a, a run like Kyle has, and he's put his stamp on some things, but then it provides others to kind of come in and maybe again, put their own stamp on it. So looking forward to it yeah, and, and really happy for him and his family too. Sounds like a great opportunity. No, for sure. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's to think of the opportunity to get to move closer to home, you know, for both your family and, and for your wife's side of the family to get to do the specific jobs that he's going to get to do, you know, it's an awesome chance for him to do that. Yep. And, and then, you know, you gotta, you, you don't let those opportunities pass by sometimes. So good for Kyle. Again, great to have him on the pod and to hear his story. Great to hear that his son has been doing awesome. I mean, again, you, you see him at all these UND events and you sort of forget that's right. That was, he had this thing to overcome when he was little. It's, Again, just a just a little reminder that you know miracles can happen every day. Life, right. it's crazy. That's right. Well, it sounds like, uh, and I know we record. Uh, we've been uh, pretty consistent on an every two week basis. So uh, we'll have Eric Martinson step in next week, and I think that'll be really good for us too, based on what we just came back from with NCHC meetings and hockey meetings. And so I know Brad Schlossman had an article uh, in the in the Grand Forks Herald about some of the things that are out there. But I think we can go behind the curtain a little bit with uh, with Eric, and he he'll be able to to help us know what some of those conversations were after I departed last week. Yeah, that'll be a, a fun one to listen to all that went down. Again, if you read the article by Brad, if you've not already do so, because it really lists out how everything essentially is on the table. We're, we're really talking about like big changes on the college hockey side. Maybe not everything on the table, but some different things uh, from scholarships to, you know, limits on coaches to et cetera. All, all sorts of things are out there. All were being discussed this last week in Florida. Uh, I looked up, by the way, I wasn't really sure where Naples was. And I see that it's on the Gulf side, tucked below Fort Myers. Not a bad place to be. I saw Pitt Michael Weissman uh, sent me a picture of the view from his hotel room with the sun setting over the Gulf. Not a bad spot to have your meetings. Not too shabby. Well, you know, when you are in the upper Midwest, you, you do tend to think through, like, is there a chance of sliding somewhere where the temperature gauge is at a certain point and ooh, the temperature gauge was there. I mean, we're talking upper eighties and uh, I would say it felt pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Probably pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Well, look yep. forward to that conversation with Eric Martinson in two weeks time. Our next podcast coming out at the middle of May right now, a couple things going on in our current world. Let's start with what happened this past weekend at the Alara center at a tremendous Champions Ball for 2022 for University of North Dakota Athletics. Uh, what did you say? What I mean, over almost a thousand people in attendance. Uh, tremendous support in terms of the live auction and the silent auction items, and just it, it's what did you describe it as a triple wedding? I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of what it felt like. It was like we were at a giant wedding reception that just went on and on. It was it was a great time. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, and I looked I looked it up and I, I mentioned to you pre pod. It was the 65th 
largest town in North Dakota that night. <laughs> so, you know, you think of it in that, um, in that, um, uh, way it just was really fascinating and uh literally alex it was one of those scenarios where you may not have seen someone there because there was close to a thousand people and uh i thought paul ralston did a nice job and you know alex did it uh our last ball he was the mc uh and uh you know it's one of those evenings where you got to kind of just try to keep it moving and uh you know there's always a couple different pieces to it certainly the live auction the silent auctions and then a few different games, if you will. But then afterwards, a band a band comes out and, and it ends the evening, uh, you know, in an awesome way. But yeah, you know, it, it felt like it was a little bit of uh, post-COVID, uh, boy, it's great to be back together with people again. It just had that vibe in the room. It really did. Yeah. And for all of our supporters that came and, uh, and you know, really uh, took part it, it was great. It really was. Our alumni foundation kind of spearheads that event. And, uh, you know, it just was an awesome night. It really, really was. And, you know, I thought we've done a pretty good job when, uh, when we uh, took down Memorial Stadium. We were able to make sure that there were some, uh, you know, artifacts, if you will, from, from Memorial that, that were auctioned off. And it's just kind of a neat deal. It really was. But I think everyone was in a pretty good pretty good spirits, if you will. And uh, I, I don't, I don't really have a whole lot other than to say than, than thank you, because it was just awesome. Yeah, it was a night to celebrate. I mean, it really was. And you mentioned some of the some of the artifacts, uh, the fact that the North Dakota football awning that was over Memorial Stadium, you know, for however many years, I mean, for decades. What was the I mean, $27,000, I think that was bid for something like that 2750. And then same thing with the helmet car, the UND football helmet car, one of only three in existence. That went for roughly the same amount. I mean, it was just, it was great to see the generosity of people. And obviously, these, these are just things, and it's not like it's the end all be all, but people are bidding on these things because they want that money to go to the student athletes. And you're a little extra generous. It was great to see. I mean, you're, you're bidding on something that has meaning, of course, but there's meaning behind what the actual item is that you're purchasing or the experience, like the, the dinner with Bubba and Laura Schweigert or with, with um, the, the trip to San Luis Obispo, to the winery, like all those things. Those are awesome things, but it's also, you know, who, who's benefiting from the money that you're putting towards those things. That's what's really important about a night like that. That's right, Alex. And so two things that reminds me, you know, obviously, thank you for everyone that bid on the items, but then also the folks that donated the items, yeah. uh, you know, should get a tremendous shout out as well. And, and really to have a lot of our student athletes there um, was great. I, I, you know, it, we talk about, you know, the connectivity to, um, the university. And of course, a lot of times you just see them on the field or the court or the ice, but it's kind of neat to see them, you know, in, an, in a setting with supporters that are so passionate and loyal um, to, to, to UND. And so I think it made a big impact on our, our student athletes. I was fortunate enough to be with our um, 
president and uh, vice president of the student athlete uh, advisory committee, Matt Russell and Claire Orth. And so they were, they were great, but talked to a number of other student athletes that night. And I think, you know, we just miss that, that connective, you know, tissue, if you will, that we we've missed over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, we do this every other year. And I think that's about right. I think, um, you know, kind of the every year, um, uh, scenario, uh, could get a little much because it, it is a pretty big undertaking. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I think it was just a success uh, all the way around. I, you know, people were just really excited to be there. Yeah. If you didn't leave that night kind of fired up about UND athletics, I mean, some, something went terribly wrong. It was just, just the way that you, again, were able to, yeah, like you said, reconnect maybe with, with student athletes or coaches or people just around the community that you hadn't seen for a while. And then just, yeah, to enjoy just the evening itself. It it was a really special night. Yeah, kudos to Val Sussex and, and everybody that spent so much time at the Alaris Center with the UND Alumni Foundation, with the Champions Club. Uh, so many people put so much work into this, and I think it was a, a resounding success. Yeah, uh, you know, we, we're seeing a lot of things happening at the highest levels right now um, when it comes to transferring. And I think NIL, I mean, there's a few things occurring at this stage. But that's really a small, small percentage, really, of what's going on. I think the the connection to your university, to your community, and learning, uh, you know, both in the classroom, outside the classroom, events like this makes a big difference. And you know, I, you know, I think Andy and I, uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to be able to speak that night. But we knew it was, uh, let's just say, a room that was excited. And so we, uh, we, we knew less was more and, uh, and to be able to just even say, Hey, if you're, uh, you know, a, uh, an alum, a former student athlete, we'd love to have you connect with, a you know, a, a Tyler Burmeister on our staff that, that we have this North Dakota network, which is unique to us at UND. And I say this on the pod right now, it's called NODAC net, but it's a way for us to connect our students, uh, uh current day students with, uh, alums uh, and, and, and kind of guide them into their next phase of life potentially. And so it's kind of like our own specific LinkedIn and uh, it's kind of, kind of cool that way. So, you know what, maybe we'll get Tyler Burmeister on, maybe that will be our last pod of the year. Maybe we'll, we'll go with Eric Martinson and then we'll get, we'll get Tyler on. And if we maybe end up putting a, a bow on this year, maybe that's the way we put a bow on it. I like it. Nice. Again, just planning out the show here on the show. I love it. Why not? That's right. That's right. I mean, well, we don't want to waste time. I mean, uh, we, we, we're not wasting time. We're, no. we're, we're going to use this opportunity to plan future shows too. Again, we might as well te- give the people what they want. Oh, I love it. Well, obviously a great, great champions ball this last weekend. Get ready for the next one in 2024. Uh, we spent a lot of time with Kyle, of course, talking track and field, but again, good luck to the tracksters as they go to the blue oval this weekend down in Des Moines for the Drake relays. Always exciting with the summer league championships just coming up softball in action as well. At least they've tried to be in action. A couple of games canceled against Mayville state. Those games were originally scheduled for earlier this month. They've now just been wiped off because it's it's a, it's not quite a flood, but essentially, I mean, we're at flood stage pretty much here in Grand Forks right now. Like the amount of water in the ditches and in the fields, it, it just the rain and the snow and the cold. It's been a wild spring, and and it's just been hard for these games to be played. Yeah, and you know, obviously, uh, 
going into this weekend, we'll see what transpires, right? I mean, uh, stay with fightinghawks.com and we'll, we'll keep you posted. I mean, uh, for sure. I mean, I, we know what the weather potentially looks like in the, uh, uh, the weekend. And I know, I think, uh, Midco is, uh, scheduled and slated to do the two games, uh, on Saturday against NDSU, but, um, but mother nature has been, um, salty this spring. <laughs> Uh, yes, that would be that would be accurate. Yeah, NDSU is supposed to come to town for a doubleheader on Saturday, then a game on Sunday as well. And as of right now, eighty percent chance of rain um, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we'll we'll see how things go. But it the one nice thing is that if those games get moved to Fargo, like the series earlier this year between South Dakota, we do have fiber connections at Fargo softball field so hopefully we'd still be able to get those games on the airwaves but obviously yeah keep keep us posted or we will keep you posted as more details come about on the situation this weekend against the bison as softball begins the second to last weekend of the regular season yeah as we always know spring spring sports always you've got to have your head on a swivel because uh, who knows what's going to happen with the weather yeah Oof. Uh, thankfully for our golf team, the Summit League Championships for women's golf are taking place right now in Newton, Kansas. Weather looks great down there. They got a couple of rounds in. They're continuing play today. Give us a little update on what's happening with that group as they try and vie for a championship. They're right now in the middle of the pack, at least. Three, two yeah, I, I think talking to Eric Martinson, uh, who oversees golf today, you know, he said what's probably um, fair is maybe a fourth place finish would be something that maybe we're kind of trying to vie for at this point in time. So some more to come on that. But, yeah, I think, uh, you know, given I think sort of where we are and I think um, handicapping the field, I think knowing who uh, we're, we're, we're up against right now, that's probably what we're, uh, you know, hoping for uh, at, at this stage of the game. So, so we'll see, we'll see what the team does. And day three is always funny, Alex. Um, you know, you, it's like Sunday, right? Sunday, back nine of a major. I mean, you, uh, you know, it's a little different than let's just call it Friday afternoon uh, at one o'clock on the 13th hole pressure the pressure starts to ramp up a little bit well best of luck to the women's golf squad as they go uh to try and place a little bit higher than they sit right now the men will go down to the same course down in newton kansas coming up next week on the first through the third to have their shot at a summit league championship uh let me think as i look at the rundown anything else going on from a und athletics perspective bill no, we can flip at this point in time. We can talk about one Boston team that's maybe not so good right now and one that seems to be pretty good. <laughs> and you know what? Before we go strictly to the B side, we do have another listener question to get to. So flip into the mailbag edition of the podcast. Uh, this, this comes from Wesley Matthews. Bill, what do you consider success in your position as an AD? Is it student athletic performance, graduation rates, coach retention, being under budget as a department, all the above? Your thoughts brought to you by Wes Matthews today. Yeah, it's a good question. Thanks for listening. Really do appreciate it. Um, you know, I would say the answer is probably E, all of the above. But I, I also think um, we do know that sometimes we're going to be in a, a, a cycle. Sometimes you're going to be cyclical with your programs. And I, I think there's some non-negotiables, right? Do well in, the, in school. Um, be really good teammates in the community, um, be, be leaders on campus, uh, do, do the, do all those right things. To me, those are things that you can continually do and it's in your control. 
And now, are we as humans perfect? No, of course not. I mean, you're always going to have situations you got to work through and help and mentor and guide and lead. So, so those are things that for sure, you know, that's the reason why we're in the chairs that we're in is, is to help in that regard. And as I mentioned before, education can come both in the classroom and outside the classroom. And we see that, you know, uh, in all of our student athletes, as far as, you know, programmatic success on the field, uh, you know, or, or the ice, um, I, you know, I think we look at our conferences and just say, who are we competing against in our conferences and where do we fall at that stage of the game? Because I think in the pecking order of life, we kind of know where we are in, I'll call it broadly division one. Now, I think each program has its own um, conversation in this regard and in its, in its own cycle. And so if you talked you know, to, to coach Barry, I, I, I think we kind of know what his thought process is going into each year, right? It's kind of like, Hey, grind away, try to find a way to win a Penrose, see what happens in St. Paul, make the NCAA tournaments, and then, you know, roll the dice because we all know, as we mentioned on last pod, you know, they're, they're going to be one goal games. And so, but I think each program is at its own state. And sometimes when you have new coaches, they might actually be taking something over that's at a certain point or maybe needs, I'll call it a build. And so I think we have uh, programs at all different uh, phases, but I think I always look to the conferences to see where we are from a competitive standpoint. Yeah, that's, that's well said and good to know. I think um, to kind of follow up, not that I'm an athletic director, but it is, it is the case where success is kind of defined differently based on where all these sports are and what the timeline is and where, these programs are in terms of relationships. Yeah. How new the coach is, maybe what the roster situation looks like. You see that all the time where maybe a team is just young. You graduated a lot of people the year before, you know, maybe the next year it's going to be perhaps a step back and that's okay. I think that's, that's, there's all those sorts of things to keep in mind. And I think you do a good job of keeping success in the right context and not, maybe not, not coming to quick judgment on things when, Maybe you don't see the conference finish that you want, but understanding that there's more to it than just wins and losses. Yeah, and I and and I'll be I'll be straight with you on the pod here. I, I think we need to be better competitively. I, I you know I think that's something that um, is got my attention, if you will. Now I also think we're in some interesting times coming off a, a pandemic, and the tra- transfer portal has been interesting. The extra year has been interesting. There's There's been some pieces we've gotten probably, I'll call it inexperienced or young in certain sports, and, and you combine those other two uh, pieces together. And it's, it, it's, it's kind of put us in a position where we've had to really, really rethink some things at this point as far as where we are. And um, I, I would say this, I, I'm, I'm not certainly satisfied on, on where we are, but I do like the folks in, in the, our student athletes that are here. And we just, we just have to now just keep grinding and just try to you know, keep getting better. And, uh, and I think good days are ahead. Yeah, one step at a time, moving forward here with UND Athletics. Thanks again to Wes for the question. If you've got a question out there, please send it our way, either on social media, in whatever sense. Again, Bill's at North Dakota, and sorry, ND, no, I'm sorry, North Dakota, at North Dakota AD on Twitter. I'm at A. Heinert Midco at Twitter. Uh, send us an email as well. Uh, let us know. We'd love to chat and hear what you want to, and hear what you want us to chat about. Uh, now to the B side. Uh, as you mentioned, Boston sports scene divided right now between a basketball team that is playing as good as anybody 
and a baseball team that has kind of been like one step forward, maybe two or three steps back so far this spring. It seems like, uh, you know, you're going to go through some 500 type of, uh, you know, uh, weeks in baseball and, and even under 500, it's just, they're there right now, but offense hasn't been great at this point in time, been spotty at best. And, uh, you know, I, I just think they, uh, they, they haven't caught fire by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so, you know, probably more to come w- with the Sox Celtics. Yeah. They've been awesome since January. I, I mean, really, really good. And, you know, it's just, uh, Defensively, Alex, I, I know there's a lot of metrics out there and a lot of folks saying how good they've been, but they are really good. And they're young and they're long. And New Jersey just didn't have enough depth to stay with them. Yeah, isn't that something? I mean, just I, I thought I thought that Boston would win that series. I mean, just based on you, you say New Jersey, Brooklyn, they know they're Brooklyn now, but the Brooklyn Nets understandable as a seven seed and kind of how they had sort of this weird up and down season. I just didn't think they were a great team, even though they probably had the best player on the court in Durant. But now after that series, you look and think maybe Jason Tatum was the best player on that court. And they, uh, those games were all close, but it also felt like that Boston was in control at the same time. And you don't sweep a team by accident. So now you get a chance to sit back and rest and watch some of these other teams kind of beat each other up like this. You know, this Bucks series uh, with Chicago feels like it's kind of in the bag now for Milwaukee. But same thing, Sixers, Raptors now is going to go at least six. The East, it feels like it's a little more wide open. And Boston, maybe, is kind of the odds-on favorite to move out and move to the finals. That was unthinkable back in December when this team was a train wreck. It's amazing how they've turned a corner under a first-year head coach this year. You know, go, going back to our mailback question, you know, it's been an interesting cycle for the Celtics. I mean, this young group, uh, you know, Brown and, and Tatum made the Eastern Conference Finals a few years ago, but then they've gone through, you know, some interesting roller coasters right now, and maybe they're back up on the ascent, if you will. So, um, yeah, I got to give them credit. They, uh, they're, they're, uh, they seem to be know who they are. They know who their depth is, and they are young enough that I think they can grind through a series. I, I, it was pretty simple. The Nets needed to win that game one. They really did. I, I mean, if you look back, I mean, that, that probably in, in some ways did them in. And uh, now I think the you know, Celtics kind of sit and wait a little bit. And, yeah, the Bucks will be tough for sure, but I think Middleton got hurt. I don't even know when yeah. he'll be back. It seemed like it was – it was long-term, maybe not like, you know, not like season ending, but for sure a couple of weeks. And in this time of year, a couple of weeks can be season ending, depending on what shakes out. That's a big loss for them. He's their top yeah. time scorer. And with the, with the Celtics getting Robert Williams back, I think that's going to help obviously against Giannis. I, I mean, uh, you know, Tice is a little undersized. He does what he needs uh, the team for uh, to do for it, but, but he's definitely undersized, but yeah, it should be interesting. They get a little bit of time off right now. And, you know, the one thing that was kind of interesting too, as you were kind of heading toward the end of the regular season was they just let it rip. They just played games and won games and whoever they played, they played. And I think there was a definitely a, an avoidance to playing the nets and uh, it didn't matter for them. <laughs> it is, uh, it is fun to see teams that you root for, like sort of make these jumps and, and so, so kind of out of nowhere. I mean, this, this was a season that could have gone South and had, and was going South 
and the team bought in and started playing harder for each other and kind of, and they made a couple of moves at the trade deadline, maybe some addition by subtraction moves. And now this team has got a great chance to potentially win a championship this year. And that's just, totally it's, it just is a little reminder again in sports. Sometimes we get so caught up maybe, and maybe this is to go back to the Red Sox. You get caught up sometimes with early results with different things that go against you in the yep. first month or two of a season in the in a lot of these sports seasons long man Ooh. these are long grinds and and you can't really get too cut up in what happens in the first quarter of the season no this is a great example of a team that has persevered and now has you know didn't didn't trade see where their stars knee jerk you know and, and some stuck together and look at them now watch out yeah, the uh, um, in it's it's been you know not great that unfortunately the uh, Red Sox haven't had Alex Cora. I mean that that hurts. I mean mm-hmm. for sure it it kind of puts all of those you know coaches in a different spot on game day. And so yeah, I they'll, they'll be fine ultimately. It's just uh, you know they're just going through one of those little you know. Uh, parts of the year that's not awesome. I mean, for sure, right now it's just it's, they're not great. They're not a great watch right now, for yeah. sure. Uh, but who knows? I, and just a reminder for for those of you that have stuck around this long, and if you happen to be a Laker fan, just be a, a reminder that a lot of your championships were won in Minneapolis. So, so again, I'm just I, I, again as a Celtic fan, I just want you to know that that actually did happen. So uh, again, for all the Laker fans that are uh, you know out there, you know, just watching the playoffs. <laughs> Just a little dig, just a little dig at everybody out there in Laker country. Uh, one last thing, and then we'll get out of here. The NFL draft, of course, begins this weekend, which is always fun. Big three-day event going out in Vegas this year, starting on Thursday night. North Dakota is going to have a young man that's going to get picked at some point, either on day two or day three. It's exciting to see Matt Waletzka's name get mentioned as one of the potentially you know, top offensive linemen, one of the gems of this class, like an underrated type guy. You hear all these words thrown out there. Uh, we had a, had a great chance to chat with Danny Freund at the Champions Ball. And, like, obviously, they're so excited because Matt's such a great kid and, and a guy who had only been offered by North Dakota, no other D1 offers, came to the program, put in the work, got the right coaching, the training, the weightlifting, and uh, now is going to be on an NFL roster and potentially a high draft pick. So cool to see him succeed like that. And we're really excited to see where he lands. Yeah, good for good for Matt. He reminds me. So when I was at Eastern, Mike Ruse uh, ended up playing ten years for the uh, Titans. Actually, it was All Pro one year and uh, left tackle. And uh, it, it very similar was very athletic, very long. Um, you know, Matt's going to probably easily put on another 20, 25 pounds, and he'll carry it well. I, he just is so athletic looking. I mean, he's just unbelievable. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I think he's got to, you know, take the next step up. So I don't know where that fits uh, round wise, because, you know, you, you, you kind of hear those, right. Second, third, fourth round. Well, it's all going to be relative to what run, uh, you know, a certain uh, position uh, gets on. And so I think that's the reason why you're, you know, you say, well, second, fourth, how does that work? Well, if, if there's literally a run on wide receivers, then you know what, then, then maybe someone's going to go earlier because they feel like it's not going to be, that person won't be around or, or someone they're looking for is not going to be around next time. So that's why I think, you know, it's a, a interesting where he's going to land, but someone's going to be happy. Someone's going to be really, really, really happy. And I hope it's black and gold. 
Mm. Well, there you go. I'd be really happy with that. I know, I know there are a number of teams, like five to six, like the Broncos. The there's there's a number that have had Matt in for special workouts that really like him, that value him highly. I hadn't heard the Steelers as a part of that mix. So that no, that, of course not. No, I, I'm just a fan. <laughs> I hope they're cagey. Yeah. Who would you want to see? Last thing, who would you want to see them take in the first round? They've been yeah, linked so, to maybe moving up for a quarterback. What do you think they're going to, because 20, 20th overall is where they sit. What do you yeah, think they'll I, do? I, you know what I think, Alex? I, I do believe they will not trade up. That's what I do believe. I, I think they're going to let, I think they're going to let uh, whomever fall to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think they have their eyes on probably the, uh, the quarterback from Liberty would be my guess, or the or the quarterback from Pitt. If either one of those two, I think, fell to twenty, I think they'll take them. Uh, but I don't think they're going to go chase. And, and then because I think they have other, I think there's other, um, <laughs> there's definitely other needs. And, and so, uh, so I think you know. I don't think they want to get rid of a, 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 an additional draft pick because um, of what I'm hearing this draft, I, I think maybe it will have some depth to it, but I'm not sure it'll have high end stars. So, so I'm not sure why you would want to chase like going from 20 to 10, unless you had an absolute need on something. What about the Patriots? I mean, it's always a crapshoot with Belichick. I, I know he likes to collect draft picks. I don't know if he ever uses them. <laughs> we just roll them over. They actually pick right. We, we, the New England picks right after Pittsburgh. So they're picking 21 this Ooh, year. Okay. Whether, well, at least that's where they're scheduled to select. I would imagine that they will trade out and pick up some future considerations because that's just what New England does. I've had a fun text thread with some, some of my buddies about this this week. And one of my friends who's a, a big Patriots fan was like, we don't even need to watch. Why are we even going to get together for the draft on Thursday? Our draft doesn't start till Saturday morning. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? We never pick anybody in the first round. And when we do, it usually doesn't work out. So we will see what happens. It'd be fun if they could, you know, potentially get another impact player on offense. Uh, they've had a lot of offensive linemen move on this offseason. But uh, my hope is that they take, honestly, that they take N'Kobe Dean, the linebacker out of Georgia, in that spot. Because they need someone who's athletic and is a good player in that position with some of their inside linebackers getting a little bit older and move, or moving on. But I'm assuming they're going to trade the pick. I think this draft is, and again, here's here's what you never can can forecast is, um, I guess, the want to uh, as far as some of these uh, some of these players because I don't, like I said, I don't think there's this high end potential Hall of Fame talent it really uh, anywhere in the draft. Then the question becomes, like, I, I think the guy that is going to be sneaky, really good for a long period of time is is the safety from Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton. Oh, I sure. think he's going to be really good. I, I, it, now, you know, you might end up getting him at eight. He could be the best guy in the draft eventually. You never know after you redraft it three years from now. So, yeah. um, but I think if the Steelers, if they could get Pickett or uh, Malik Willis, I, I, maybe you take a shot at him. I, I think I, I think that's what you do, but you know, who knows? I think they're being cagey too. I, I, I think they're all in like on quarterback, but I think they might want one of those defensive uh, linemen from Georgia too. If they ever, if they ever felt all that far. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's such a great drama. I mean, the whole thing is obviously a joke. And I heard, I heard someone on a draft podcast earlier this week say basically that all of draft coverage is worthless. Like, I don't even know why we're doing this because you, you it's so tough to prognosticate 
if these guys are even good and if they go to the system that fits, are they going to pan out? And like, there's so many variables here, but it does make for fun television and, and fun content to consume in the weeks leading. Well, up. of course, I'm surprised. <laughs> I, he, here's what I'm surprised. All right, then we'll leave it. This will be the final statement is I'm surprised. When is the next time we're going to actually have next year's mock draft come out before the draft this year? Because you, because usually it's the, it's the too early mock draft for next year, right when the thing ends. Who, who's the one that's going to have it out? They should have it out tomorrow. They should that's, have it out Wednesday. That's the move, really. Like that is get the ahead move. of the game. I want to see what's going on for 2023 before 2022. That would be the move. 100%. Because if I'm trading during this time, I want to know why I'm know. trading. Who's coming up next? Who's next on the list? Someone needs to. The pods on top of it. <laughs> Again, it would be a worthless piece of content, but it would be oh. entertaining and people would eat it up. And that's correct. That's it's as worthless right as it gets, because once there's a <laughs> trade at number three, it's like everybody's March Madness brackets. You blow it up. Just blow it up once St. Peter's wins the game, you're in trouble. <laughs> Enjoy watching where Matt goes this coming weekend. Well, it's let's been, go watch. We're going to be great. It's, it's, it's going to be yeah, great. We're excited to see him find a home in an NFL location. Bill, always a good time to chat. Big thanks to Kyle for stepping in and chatting for a little bit and giving us an update on his life and his story. Again, a, a great man, and we can't wait to see the good works that he does uh, with him and his family down in Kansas moving forward and to see what UND does now to, to fill those shoes. Yeah, no doubt about it. And sounds like uh, next time we'll uh, definitely have Eric on, which will be great. I think that will be awesome for a lot of folks. Mailbag-wise, if you have questions about even, you know, you're talking hockey rules, I'll tell you what, that is the person that we could, uh, you know, kind of wrangle into the mailbag. Get him in, get him in there. So can't wait for that one in two weeks. So until then, Bill, always great to catch up. Ah, Best of luck to our spring sports teams as they begin to wrap up their spring seasons. We will chat with you next time on the next edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast. For Bill, for Kyle, I'm Alex. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.